Hello, everyone. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. You're listening to the Financial Edition, recorded today on Monday, January 30th, 2017. My name is Gabby LaPera, and joining me on Skype is Dan Kaplinger, personal finance guru extraordinaire at The Motley Fool. Hey, Dan, how's it going? I'm good, Gabby. How are you doing today? I am good. Um, I'm trying to keep upbeat because today's topic is very depressing. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about debt and credit, and uh, just so you know, uh, debt debt plagues Americans. I think that we we were talking about this earlier, Dan. So I know you know, but our listeners yeah. may not. So I'm going to throw out a few statistics here. Um, about 15% of Americans think that they're going to die in debt. About 60% of Americans couldn't cover an unexpected expense of $500. 34% have zero dollars in savings, and another 35% have a thousand dollars or less, but more than zero dollars. And the average amount of student loan debt is somewhere between thirty-one thousand and thirty-seven thousand dollars, depending on your source. The average amount of mortgage debt is about one hundred and seventy thousand dollars, which I guess isn't that much if you think about houses. But today, we're going to talk about credit card debt. And the average American household has about $5,700 in credit card debt. Um, however, if you are a household that carries a balance, which means that you don't pay off everything you owe on the credit card every month, the average amount of debt that you have is about $16,000. That's a lot. It's a lot of money. <laughs> <That's> a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot, of, a lot of facts and figures I just threw out. But um, that's crazy. That's a lot of money. $16,000, yeah. I mean, when you think about the what the median income for a typical household is $50,000, something like that. I mean, you're talking about, you know, even if you spent, took every penny that you brought in and did nothing, didn't eat, didn't pay for your house, didn't good drive anywhere, you'd still be spending months just getting that debt paid off. Yeah. And what's even crazier is that the average interest rate on a credit card is 15.2%. So a lot of that payment would be going to interest. It wouldn't even be paying down the principal. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Um so let's talk a little bit about how we get there. Like how do you how do you get to $16,000 in debt? Apparently about 38% of all American households have some sort of credit card debt, maybe not $16,000, but some sort of debt. Um so I think uh, let's start with 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 one that's um it's a common way it's kind of a little controversial which is living paycheck to paycheck so spending all of your money um every paycheck as opposed to putting some away for unexpected expenses um the reason I say this is controversial is because I know that not everyone can afford to live their life differently other than paycheck to paycheck like they just don't make enough money to live any other way. But there are plenty of people in America who do make more than enough money for their needs, and they're still spending frivolously. Yeah, and that's how that's a lot of how you end up in that paycheck to paycheck situation. And credit cards actually make it easier in some ways because when you're when you're really stretching to make that paycheck last as long as you can, you still might, if you still have that credit card and those last couple of days are coming up and you spent big early on in right after you got your check, then it's tempting to kind of cover the dis the difference with that credit card. And that's how a lot of people kind of start the ball rolling in terms of getting those big 
credit card balances that you're talking about. Yeah. So one of the one of the things that you could do to prevent this is to make a budget and stick to it. Make a reasonable budget, I should say, and stick to it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that anyone needs to spend five hundred dollars a month in pizza unless you have a family of like twenty four and you're making a million dollars a month. But um, you know what I mean. Like some people make budgets. Like I've seen line items on some of my friends' budgets that I'm like, what? How are you spending so much money every month, or how do you think that you're going to spend so much money every month on um, on going to the movies? Like, is there? And you also have like three moving street movie streaming services, and um, you also have pay for cable. Like, do you really need all of those methods to consume media? Probably yeah, not. Interestingly, a lot of the credit cards will actually kind of help you come up with a budget. They'll give you a spending history and break it down by category, so you can actually see. You know how much you're spending at restaurants, how much you're spending, you know, on movies, on utilities, on like any category that you're using that card for. You can actually kind of use it to your advantage and figure out, okay, well, yeah, do I really need to be spending this much on this? Maybe not. And then that can free up money to pay down that balance and get rid of some of that interest and get yourself out of debt that much faster. Yeah, it's really cool. I just got my uh, year-end credit card reports from my banks uh-huh. um and I, I just spent like maybe 20 minutes going over them like looking at all all the miscellaneous things that I had spent money on I spent a lot of money on lift rides this year <laughs> <laughs> or I guess last year now <laughs> um that's the that's the peril of living in a city with questionable public transportation <laughs> um so another another thing so like you're already living paycheck to paycheck maybe and you have money on your credit card and then some people just don't pay their credit cards off at all, which is a really bad move because that not paying your credit card isn't is ne- is never going to get you out of debt. Um, yeah, it's a triple hit. I mean, you know, not only do you not get out of debt, you pay the interest on what you didn't pay. You'll pay a late fee or a non-payment fee to the credit card, and you, as we'll talk about later on, you kind of rip your credit score to shreds too. So it's a whole bunch of bad things. That come up when you know it always makes sense at the very least to get that minimum payment in to avoid all those excess charges. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you'd be surprised by how common this is. A lot of people, there's there's stories every year. People write stories about credit card debt, and there's always at least one person who's interviewed in these stories who are like, "I didn't realize I needed to pay the money back. Like I thought it was just money they were giving me," um, which is mind blowing. I don't know how they got to that point. I have a feeling it has something to do with some bankers who were not very honest with the terms of the agreement, um, but it, it it happens for sure. Um, but you yeah. mentioned something else, which is only making the minimum payment. It's better than doing nothing, but it's not great either. No, I mean, even when you just make the minimum payment, the way those minimum payments are set up, it doesn't really pay that much more than what your interest charge is. And so, you know, if you're making a $25 minimum payment, you might have 20 of that is going just to pay that 15.9% that you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. It only lets you cut that balance by $5 a month. And, you know, the way that it, the math works out, it can take years, like 10 years or more to get to the point where your minimum balance has actually paid off that amount. And that's assuming that you don't go out and run up more charges in the interim. 
Yeah, absolutely. And just to back up a little bit, so credit card companies tell or your bank or whoever it is that owns your debt tells you how much you have to pay at a minimum every month in order not to get a late fee. Um, and if you pay less than that, then they'll smack you with some sort of fee. And that that's what your minimum payment is. Um, so talking about making so you're making your minimum payments and then this is another mistake people make. They add on a lot of unnecessary debt. Dan, you were telling me before the show started that um, uh, households before the holidays, the credit card debt was around sixteen thousand dollars, which was that national figure we were talking about. Yeah. After holidays, the credit card debt increased by one thousand seventy-three dollars. It's a lot of money. On, on average, yeah. I mean, that, and that's what people are. You know, I mean, when you have these holiday expenses that come up, whether it's traveling to family or buying presents or doing shopping, you know, whatever it is, it's tempting to. You know, you have those expenses and you have to cover them. A lot of people don't have the income to cover that at that point. And so it's tempting just to add that to the total and figure, okay, you know, after the holidays are done, then I'll resolve to get that paid down. But yeah, a lot of people get this sort of holiday bump in terms of how much debt they have on their credit cards. Yeah. And as much as terrible as it is to not really celebrate whatever holiday you have going on, um, it's not really 100% a necessary expense for you to buy presents for people or to travel that year. And it's it, it's a not safe for work word. It's terrible. It's no fun. But like it, it is a, a place where you can cut expenses. Um, it is. But I mean, you know, the other thing is that you can also sort of pre-plan for it. So you know what your holiday plans are going to be. If you set aside a certain amount of money from your check every two weeks or every month, starting January, February, and accumulate that over the course of the year, then you'll have a nest egg at the end of the year. You don't have to dip into your credit card. You know, you don't have to add to your credit card debt in order to do it. With an anticipated expense like holiday stuff, that's more than a reasonable thing to do because you can get a sense. You know, it's not like there's going to be an emergency where you didn't know that, that holiday was going to be coming up. You know exactly what <laughs> your expectations are and you can plan for them. That's a really, really good point. Also, if you're like me, I um, really hate buying presents for people. So whenever I see a present that'll work for someone for the holidays, I buy it even if it's the middle of June and I stash it away. And that way I don't have to worry about it in December. Um, so that'll also kind of help you pre plan expenses, hopefully. <laughs> um, plus, make your life easier come December. Holiday tips with the industry folks, gang. Um, so another another way that people can get in trouble with their debt is not understanding the terms of their debt, and this is uh, something that I have seen that's common amongst people my age, weirdly enough, um, which is that they don't understand that they have to what the interest payment is on their credit cards. Yeah, I mean it's it's the sort of thing that you know it's, sometimes it's labeled a finance charge, sometimes it's labeled something else. It's not always really clear. Plus, the rates tend to change a lot. The calculation, different credit card companies are better or worse in kind of showing you, okay, this was your average balance, this is the current interest rate, you do the math, and this is how much interest the, your account accumulated during this particular month, this is your minimum payment, and so this, after you make your minimum payment, if that's what you do, this is what the balance is going to be left. You know, some card companies have actually gotten better about doing this in response to calls from consumer advocates to do something to make, you know, to help solve this problem. But not all of the banks are on board with it yet. And so, you know, sometimes you kind of have to 
you have to do your own homework to know what those terms are. In addition, you've got you know a whole span of, of fees, whether it's late fees, over account limit fees, um, you know, and just a host of other things that you can end up having to pay for just by making simple mistakes, avoidable mistakes uh, that, you know, if you just kind of knew that those traps were out there, you could easily avoid them. But a lot of people don't even know that they're out there. Yeah, it's all about reading the fine print, um, especially if you get your credit card from a bank, which I think most people do. Um, a lot of them have all sorts of fees and they're not technically hidden, like they're in the fine print or maybe like the agent told you while you were applying for the credit card. For example, um, you have to keep a certain balance in your savings account and you have to keep a credit a debit card open as well so that they don't charge you for any of the accounts or something like that. Um, right. it, it's 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 about reading it's the fine there. print. Yeah, You're it's all there. Right. It's all, all there, there somewhere. It's just that most people don't go to the trouble of reading that big long book or, you know, the the piece of paper that's that you need a magnifying glass to read <laughs> yeah. to see exactly what everything that you might end up having to pay for would what that would be. You know, I read on that on average the um, length of the average credit card agreement is about forty four pages. <laughs> It's a lot of pages. <laughs> a little light reading for you. <laughs> light in the fact that they make the print so tiny that, <laughs> that the books doesn't seem very long. Um, so let's talk about, uh, so we, we talked a little bit about credit card debt, how you might get there. Um, let's talk about something that's related to that, which is credit scores. Um, Dan, why are credit scores important? Well, I mean, credit scores have become increasingly important because Basically, if you ever need to get financing for something, whether it's a house, a car, uh, or you know, even just basic consumer loans, it's important to have a good credit score in, so that you can actually get that loan, have any chance of getting that loan in the first place. Now, in addition, even once you kind of climb above the barrier for getting the loan at all, the higher your credit score is, the better your terms are likely to be. And so if you have a really good credit score, then not only would you maybe be able to get offers, take advantage of offers that other people wouldn't even receive, but your interest rate might be lower. You might be eligible for bigger credit card rewards. Um, you know, the terms of the repayment might be easier for you. And so, you know, you get some rewards, you get some benefits from doing the work to get your credit score as strong as it can be. Right. Um, so you might be wondering, who comes up with the credit scores and how are they calculated? So there's three credit bureaus, which is Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. Yeah. And they all use the same basic factors to to get your credit score, and some of them weight some more or less. Um, but by working on those credit factors, you can improve your credit score. So um, the one that in general holds the most weight is how on time you are with your payments. Yeah, the, the having good payment history is really important, and that's where you get back into those terms. You need to understand when those payments are due. You have to make sure that you give enough lead time so that when you make that payment, it's going to credit on time so you're not charged with a late payment. That way you won't have to pay that fee, but also you won't get the ding on the credit report that hurts this amount. because your payment history makes up about 35% of the, 
of what your credit score is. And so getting in the habit of being on time with those payments, it can be a really big boost if you've had bad payment history in the past. Getting that fixed will see that score bump up a really large amount. Yeah, even if it's just the minimum payment, um, that's it's a really, really important thing to be on time. Um, so the next most important thing probably because <laughs> they don't actually release like exactly how they figure out like what the formula is but like in general people have figured that this is about what it is is the percentage of the utilized credit limit so this is the combination of every line of credit that you have how much you're using it so say you have two credit cards and one has a limit of a thousand dollars and one has a limit of twenty five hundred dollars so the total is $3,500, so it's how much you use out of that entire amount. Yeah, and I mean, you hear people talking about, you know, I'm almost maxed out on my credit cards. And usually that's a bad sign in terms of this part of the scoring because if you're basically using up, if, you're, if you have most of the credit that you have been extended, if you're using all of that up, you already have debt of that amount, then it means you really don't have that much left to borrow and the credit scoring bureaus are going to say, well, boy, that's that seems risky because it means that you know you don't have that much more capacity to borrow and you owe a lot compared to what credit card companies and other lenders were willing to give you in the first place. That adds up to a more troubling situation than somebody who, you know, has a couple hundred dollars on their credit cards, but they have thousands of dollars of credit limit. For them, they're not very concerned because they haven't really used up much of their credit at all. Yeah, so there's two ways to kind of attack this. Um, one is to spend less. The other is to get your lines of credit increased, um, which can be tempting fruit for some people because they're like, oh, I have a bigger credit limit so I can spend more money. But the idea is that if you increase your um, credit limit, then the amount that you spend regularly will be a smaller percentage of that. Um, so one one of the things you the one of the ways you can do this is if you do have a good record with your credit card company. So again, if you already have a good credit score, sometimes it gets in kind of this self perpetuating loop. You can ask your bank to bump up your limit. Um, yep. I know some banks you can ask for that online. You don't even have to go into a branch anymore. Yeah, or or the customer service lines will work. You know, calling on the phone can sometimes be helpful as well. Yeah, and sometimes they just raise your credit limit just because, like, you've been a good customer for a long time. Um, that happens on occasion. They'll just send you a letter but, saying, like, "Hey, it's more." But be careful because a lot of the time when a bank makes that decision, it's based on the expectation that you're the sort of person that is going to take advantage of that by spending up towards that higher credit limit. So. You, really, the most important thing about managing your credit cards is knowing yourself and knowing kind of what your predilections are. If you're going to be tempted and that temptation is going to be too much to, uh, you know, to resist, then you know you have to think about that and you have to manage things accordingly. Yeah, definitely. I've I've heard multiple people, also my age, say that they don't trust themselves with a credit card, so they don't have one. And it's one of those things that when I hear that, I'm like, oh, you're shooting yourself in the foot for if you ever want a loan. Um, but, I mean, it, I, that that is a deep knowledge of oneself that a lot of yeah. people don't have. So it, it's kind of, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know it's how to hard, feel about that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, you're better off having a credit card and not than not having it in terms of building up a, a healthy credit history. But like you say, if it's if it's a potential addiction 
then you're, you might be better off staying totally clear than having it and then misusing it. Yeah. And that's actually, I just want to make a little side note here. The easiest way to build credit is via a credit card um, because you're more likely to, it's just easier to get than it is to get something like a home loan or an auto loan. Um, you can build credit on those things, um, but generally you're going to have to have someone co-sign on the loan with you. So it'll go on your credit score. It'll also go on the other person's credit score. So keep that in mind. If you are thinking about co-signing a loan with someone to help them out, to help them start building credit, that debt also goes in your name. So it can impact your credit score as well. Um, but yeah, so so in general, credit cards are the easiest way to build debt. But I think, Dan, you were saying that student loan also goes towards credit scores, right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, sort of their first exposure to debt is when they go to college and they need to borrow money in order to pay their tuition and their room and board and that kind of thing. And with most student loans that are in the student's name versus the ones that are in the parent's name, you know, student loans for the student use that student's social security number, goes on the student's credit history. You know, some of those loans, even like you said, even if they're co-signed by parents, if it's in the student's name, then it's the student that's on the hook for it. And so if you're in that situation, take those student loan payments seriously because they might be the foundation on which you're building up a healthy credit score if you manage your debt well. Yeah, which brings us back to our next metric, which is actually how many lines of credits you have of credit you have. So that that includes auto loans, mortgages, student loans, and credit cards. So the more different types you have and the the greater in number they are, um, the better your credit score. That's right. That's generally right. I mean, you know, what uh, lenders want to see is that you're able to handle different kinds of debt, and so. You know, whether that's a fixed payment kind of debt, like, you know, a, loan, or a car loan where you have a, you know, a set amount that you pay every month or a home mortgage with a fixed mortgage and you pay that set amount each and every month, as well as the variable amounts that you would pay on credit cards. That gives a more complete picture of how credit worthy you are. Yeah. So, again, this is kind of the double edged sword because, like, you could take out a bunch of different kinds of credit. Um, but, of course, that means that you'll have a bunch of different ways to get into debt. And that's part of the thing that they're measuring is your capacity to be in debt, um, because that makes you a good customer, right? Because you, they know that you'll be paying at least the principal and probably interest payments if you're the average American as well. And that and that's how banks and credit card companies make money. Sure. Um, so the other, so we're on three. So number four is the length of your credit history. And there is no way to game the system on this one. You just have to have a line of credit for as long as possible. The longer you have credit, the better your credit score. And the only way to, if you really want to try and help someone else, if you have kids, you can open a credit card in their name and in your name and pay money to pay off the bill every month, and that'll help them. That's actually what my parents did for me. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Um, yeah, the one strategy that you can use here is uh, it comes up when people are thinking about closing out a credit card uh, you know a lot of time you might have a credit card and you don't really use it very much anymore and you think well you know I have a better card you know maybe maybe the old card is just a plain old vanilla credit card whereas a new card that you have gives you mileage you know air miles or points or cash back or something like that 
Before you cancel that old card, though, consider what effect it's going to have on the length of your credit history. If it's your oldest card, if you've had it forever, then sometimes it makes sense to hang on to it and to use it every once in a while in order to make sure that you maintain that length of credit history and boost up your score a little bit. Yeah. Um, yep, you can do that. Uh, like I said, other, other than that, it's pretty much parents putting their kid's name on their debt, which is, again, double-edged sword, because if parents don't pay off the debt, then the kid's credit score gets trashed before they even have a chance to to really start. Um, and then the last metric that people, that the credit unions check is... Um, is hard checks. It's a hard pull on your credit score. So this is like, for example, if you go to a car dealership and you're going to buy a car, they always check your credit before they offer you the loan so that they know like what terms to give you. Um, and if you have a lot of those hard pulls on your credit, then you're going to be dinged at least a few points because that means that for whatever reason, you're opening up a lot of debt at the same time. And that's the, I mean, that's really what they're looking for is if you're going out and trying to open like three or four new credit card accounts all at the same time, most of the credit bureaus are going to assume the reason that you're doing that is you've got yourself in trouble and you really need a big inflow of credit right now. And that's the kind of risk that those bureaus want to take a look at closely and flag their, their customers on so that whoever the last person is to give that new credit card understands when they're doing it that you know this person already just opened up a whole bunch of other things and to take that into account in making the decision about whether to give you that card or not. Yes. So now you might be asking yourself, how do I get this information? Do I have to pay for it? And the answer is no. It's free. Um, there's a couple of different ways to go about getting your credit history, which is like which is also a very vital thing, and you should check it periodically to make sure that there's no unexpected loans or charges that are under your name that shouldn't be there. Um, but the other thing is to check your credit score. Uh, Dan, I think that you actually do the free report every year with the three bureaus, right? I do. You can go to annualcreditreport.com, and it is a um, that's a government sponsored site um, and it will tell you uh, it lets you pick you get you get your credit report from each of the three reporting bureaus once every year so you can get all three reports at the same time you can take one now and wait a few months and get the, the second and wait a few months and get the third however you want to do it um, it will not give you credit scores it only gives you the credit report but that will tell you all the sources of credit that you have. It'll, like you said, flag up. If you see something, you're like, well, I didn't borrow that. Then it'll tell you that. Um, and that is, it's federally mandated that you have access to that website uh, on an annual basis. Yeah. And then there's some other credit reporting sites that um, you have to put in your credit card number and they offer to send you your credit report every month. Um, but since you're entitled to that one free credit report, if you put in your credit card number and cancel it after you get your free credit report, like they're federally mandated to give you at least one free one, um, you can also do that. I am going to sound like a corporate shill here for a second, but I promise I'm not getting paid. Uh, Creditkarma.com, uh, they show you your credit score for, I believe it's, let me check, I have it open right here on my computer. Uh, TransUnion and Equifax, and you can check it whenever you want. They also give you your credit reports, um, and that's free. You can check it 
multiple times a month, however much you want. And um, the way that they make money is through ad ads. Like they, they're like, we see that you have this credit score. Have you thought about this credit card or this type of loan for yourself? Um, but it's great because you can monitor monitor your credit score pretty constantly, and that's really important for me because all of my data <laughs> has been stolen multiple times through the um, OPM hack. I don't know if you're from DC. I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, even my fingerprints are gone. Someone in China probably has them. I don't know what they're doing with them. <laughs> pretty sad that they have them. <laughs> but that's why I monitor my credit report so hawkishly because I, I know that it's out there. Most people's are, but I, I definitely know mine is. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, do you have anything else you want to say, Dan? No, just, you know, it, it's, it's easy to think that credit is just something that you take advantage of when you need it and you aren't really thinking about it most of the time. But in order to have that credit available to you when you need it, it actually makes sense to kind of think about these things beforehand and to think, okay, you know, well, if I'm thinking about buying a house a year or two from now, you know, what's my credit score now? And then once I know that, you know, how can I get it higher so that when the time comes, I actually need the loan, I'm going to be in the best position to get it. You know, doing that homework can put you in a better position than trying to scramble at the last minute right when you need to get that loan and you need it right now. Definitely. And also, please be careful about getting into debt. Um, Dan, I really love the way that you summarize our episodes at the end with a little, like, I don't know, just a little perfect send-off every time. Um, and I also want our listeners to remember that this is not personalized advice. This is general advice. Um, please don't write to us and ask for personalized advice, because I'm going to send you an email back telling you, I cannot give you personalized advice. The SEC will not let me. And I'll get into a lot of trouble. So, um, if you do have any questions that are general, please contact us at industryfocus at fool.com or by tweeting us at mfindustryfocus. Um, also, we are our internship applications close sometime today or tomorrow. So, if you're really interested in working at The Motley Fool for a summer, the internships are awesome. That's how I got my job. Um, you should scurry to our site, careers.fool.com or jobs.fool.com. Both of them redirect to the same site and apply right away, because I'm pretty sure those close tomorrow. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Dan. You're always wise. Hey, um, thanks for having me, Gabby. I always love And Austin, have you ever checked your credit score? I have checked my credit score. Excellent. I am really glad to hear that. Way to be responsible. Uh, so thank you to Austin, today's totally awesome producer, and thank you to y'all for joining us. Everyone have a great week, and go out there and check your credit score. <laughs> <laughs>